0: Good morning, this is Evelyn in the studio of KLTO, uh, Information with Inspiration and We are getting ready to Love Talk, and we have a very special guest with us today. Cindy is down in the valley, and uh, we should be hearing from her shortly as well. We we have in the studio today a good friend, Carol Everett, and Carol is the founder of the Heidi Group, and she's a mother and a grandmother. Good morning, Carol.
1: Good morning, Evelyn. Thank you for allowing me to be with you today. Oh, I'm
0: excited. (laughs) We always choose a word for the day, Carol, and our word today is... Is uh, life. I don't know if you remember this because you're not uh, as seasoned as I am in life, but during the early TV days, uh, there was a guy named Groucho Marx that had a TV program. And uh, during the course of the program, he was a comic and he would have this duck. I thought it was a bird, but then said, so no, it was a duck. This duck comes down with a word in his mouth, and when someone said that word, well, that duck would come down and just go crazy. And so I kind of look at that as our paradigm as we start on Saturday morning when we have a wonderful guest like you, and then we, have, we choose a word for the day. We're going through a series. Uh, we started with uh, Christmas a year ago, uh, the promised one, Jesus Christ, the promised one. And then we moved into the Easter season with Jesus Christ, the present one, when he said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And I'm going to go away, but I'm going to send you a helper. I'm going to send you a comforter. Send you someone that would be power in your life for you every day. And now we've moved into Jesus Christ, the perfect one. And we know that Jesus himself was perfect. Uh, he came uh, And never sinned. He came and lived a life that is an example for us as He met hardships every day, as we meet those hardships, as we meet those challenges that are life and death. And life is not easy, but it is blessed when we come to know the reality of the love and the power of the Lord Jesus. And so we're going to be talking about Jesus Christ is the perfect one today in the area of life. And Psalm 139 tells us something very important. It says, long before breath was breathed into us. What happened, Carol?
1: The days of our lives were ordained for us.
0: Absolutely.
1: And, you know, the interesting thing about Psalm 139, Evelyn, is very few people look at it as verses 1 through 12 talking about the mother. Yes. But it says that God knows where she is. If she goes to the depths of hell, he knows He is there and everywhere she may be. So I believe that answers the question about rape and incest and Mm -hmm. all the lies that are thrown at us about why abortion might be, um, someone might consider abortion without God disapproving. But I think also verses 13 through 16 tell us clearly that God ordained the days of that baby's life and he has a plan. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, you know, we uh, we are going to be speaking about life and death today. And you are the founder of the Heidi Group. Tell me what the Heidi Group is.
1: The Heidi Group is a nonprofit helping girls and women in unplanned pregnancies with the choice of life physically and eternally.
0: Gosh, that's a big responsibility, isn't it?
1: Well, we are praying to save 40,000 babies' lives this next year in 2020. 40,000. Yes.
0: Well, we're going to talk a little bit today about how God's called you to do that and some of the challenges that you've had in life as you move toward that perfect plan that he has for you. But on the phone with us right now, we have our good friend, Cindy Vaughn. Good morning,
2: Cindy. Good morning, Miss Evelyn. Good morning, Ms. Carol. Good morning, Cindy. I send you greetings from the body of Christ, Corpus Christi. Well, thank you. We appreciate that. It's good to hear your sweet voice. Oh, I'm glad to call in. Hey, ladies, I hope you all have a wonderful program. Uh, Carol, I was catching bits and pieces on the news this uh, week about Alabama and then, of course, some of the pressures that are coming down on Texas from the current administration with regard to Texas defunding uh, Planned Parenthood. So I'm really looking forward to uh, listening to this program
0: And I wanted to let our
2: listening audience know that uh, we'll be posting the audio portion of this up on sermon.net and you can get hold of it on uh, www.lovetalknetwork.com.
0: Cindy, what are you doing down there? I know we had a big Saturday, a Friday and Saturday here in Austin last week uh, with the Texas State NDB Conference. Tell me a little bit about how exciting that was and what you're doing in Corpus today.
2: Oh, my gosh. Was the Lord faithful to us at the Capitol? I think people who came to the Capitol for the National Day of Prayer Leadership Conference were literally stunned at the welcome and the freedom that we have at the Texas Capitol. I mean, there was full-tilt worship, lots of prayer. We have the the Department of Public Safety poking their head in for prayer. You know, it is a privilege to live in a state that honors God above all other things, and then that was certainly a a witness to that. Now, down here in Corpus, I'm at a conference called the Weapons of the Believer. Evelyn, I have to tell you this story. You'll love this. I was in the hotel and the, and I was coming down from the coffee room and the hotel manager rode in the elevator with me and he said, so, uh, are you going over to Bank America Center? I said, no, I'm meeting at this church down here. We're having a conference. And he said, oh my gosh, are you with those weapons people? Weapons I, people? Yeah. And we went to the conference called Weapons of the Believer and he said, are you with those weapons people? And I said, well, yes, sir. And he said, oh, my gosh. He said, I wasn't sure if we wanted to book you people in because, you know, we have a lot of children in this hotel and I didn't know if you all were going to be bringing in weapons or what you were going to be doing. And so I had a long conversation with the hotel manager about the difference between uh, the spiritual weapons of mm-hmm. the believer, prayer and praise, and the opportunity to practice purity apart those being those spiritual weapons. So that's what we're down here, Evelyn, doing. We're down with intercessors and Corpus Christi talking about prayer.
0: Well, thank you, Cindy. Appreciate you calling us and let us hear from you. We're going to be okay. busy when you get back to town. We are well into planning for National Day of Prayer. Oh, yes. Yeah, Bucci-
2: everybody about it.
0: Nick Lucchisi, he's coming. and. Uh, uh, we have a really good prospect to do a ladies' luncheon this year again and a lot of wonderful things going on. So you get a little rest while you're there because when you come home, we're going to work.
2: Okay. We'll get on our roller skates. Y'all All right. have a great day. Thank you. You too. God bless. Bye. Bye-bye.
0: You know, Cindy is, uh, is such a delight, Carol, uh, to me. And through the years, she came out of a situation that um, was very difficult for her. Uh, she worked for the state had about 350 people that worked for her and her life fell all to pieces and uh, an african-american christian lady took her in her arms and held her and led her to the lord jesus and before she became part of the love talk ministry she was the international director for march for jesus and so she comes well trained and We've had probably 16 or 17 years together now with, with radio, and so we always like to know what she's doing when she's not here because I have to kind of do her job, my job, and then have somebody as wonderful as you are here to help me. Well, let's just talk about you, Carol. We uh, uh, Tell me a little bit about um, you know what life was like for you as you grew up I think when you get a foundation for for life and know some of those precious memories or some of those hardship times the storms of life, then it gives us a better understanding of why God chose you to place you in the love field where he 's placed you
2: that 's a
1: good point, Evelyn. And, you know, I grew up in Shansata, Texas, a very small town, Central Texas, and uh, I grew up with parents who came from very dysfunctional backgrounds. Of course, then we didn't know anyone had a dysfunctional background, but I think what we know now is that we parent the way we were parented. Right. And my father's father died when he was 17, and he took over responsibility for his uh, six siblings and mother, and some of them were married, and he um, he supported all of them by working. And so he was a very, very hard worker, and a man who did not, um, who stuffed his feelings, and my mother came from a, a background of anger and alcoholism. Her parents oh. were, her father was an alcoholic, and um, I think it was prevalent in the family. Although she will not talk about it, so of course mm-hmm. that colored her. So, I didn't ever get the affirmation when I was a young. When I was even a child, I, you know, it was it, there was always this competition in the house of competing uh-huh. with everybody, and it was very uncomfortable. But, of course, I didn't know that. I thought that's the way everyone lived. But um, San Saba was a wonderful place to grow up. The people there are, were and still are wonderful. And um, my father worked in the local grocery store, and my mother was a stay-at-home mother, of course. And, and um, I was overprotected and didn't realize it. Mm-hmm. But I remember wanting to walk home from school, and they would not let me. They came to get me every day. So, mm-hmm. you know, I was very much overprotected. But um, I was looking for love in all the wrong places and um, and living in a town where uh, I didn't ever hear the gospel. I I know it was there, but yeah. I didn't hear it.
0: I, very similar situation for myself in East Texas. Mm-hmm.
1: And so I, I walked into a lot of problems and uh, lived it even in San Sabo, that small town, as the world did. Mm-hmm. And uh, the thing that I go back and say was the biggest mistake in my life
0: mm-hmm.
1: that took me down the wrong path for my entire life until I came to Christ was having sex as a teenager.
0: That was unusual in those days. What year was that?
1: Well, oh, goodness, now you're going to make me start thinking. Uh, yeah. That had to be...
0: Um, in the 50s?
1: No, it was actually... Um, sixties. Yeah, sixties. Sixties, sixties. Well those were
0: changing times though, Carol.
1: Yes. You know, it
0: it just seemed like that was when this big breach began to happen between virtue and and freedom, uh in America for women and and for everybody. You know, the sixties were just open relationships.
1: Well and it was free love and flower children in the California Mm -hmm. and New York. But you know in in, uh, all of my friends, or a lot of my friends, were having sex at that point. Yes. We didn't talk about it the way they do now, mm-hmm. but we knew what was happening, and we knew uh, a lot of things about what was going on. Mm-hmm. It was not, you know, ungodliness just seeped into every corner of our nation, I believe,
0: at that mm-hmm. point. Well, we um, we want to talk about some of the good things that happen. You know, uh, it's difficult when you are reared in a family where there is not a lot of nurture and love. Uh But the Lord's always got a plan for us, and we mentioned that as we came in with Psalm 139. So we're going to take our break. we come back, I want you to talk a little bit about some of the happy memories. I want you to tell me your lemonade story when we come back. Okay. Right after this. Stay with us for Love Talk on the Word 99.3, 98.5, Information with Inspiration. Welcome back to Love Talk. We are in the studio today talking to a good friend, Carol Everett. Cindy is down in the valley on a a mission uh, uh, trip and uh, just um, gave us a quick call and let us know about what she's doing today. Carol, we're talking about life today and how life basically was for you as a child as you grew up in a different time in which we live today. And, and, see, I'm older, much, much older, and my time is much, much different than yours because as you began to grow up, I guess, in the 60s is about right. Well,
1: I, I was born in 1944. I don't mind telling anybody.
0: So. Yeah. Well,
1: <laughs> I was born in 1931, and I'll be 81
0: years old in a week. <laughs> Happy birthday <laughs> Well, thank, thank you. Thank you. Uh, but you know the growing at uh, the beginning to live lifetimes was as those sixties begin to break and there was such a change. But there were good things. I know you have a lemonade story we we're going to talk about.
1: Yes, yes. Well, I, we were talking about it off the air, and I just want to mention it. You know, when I grew up, the teachers wore suits to school and heels. They taught all day in yes. heels and never thought about anything less. The average car price was twenty five hundred dollars. Twenty five hundred. Yeah, gas was twenty four cents a gallon.
0: I remember that.
1: Yes, a loaf of bread, $0.19, a uh, gallon of milk, $0.82, cents. tuition at Harvard, $1,250 a year, today it's $3,700, yeah. uh, $37,000 a year, yeah. uh, postage stamps, $0.04, cents, and today they are 45. You know, life was very, very different, and I had a grandmother who was very unusual. I, I did have some wonderful memories of, she taught me to cook, she taught me a lot of things, but, um, you know, I still was looking for love, and I found myself pregnant at 16.
0: At sixteen.
1: At sixteen, and things. How were, did that re
0: rebound in your family?
1: Well, I didn't tell my family.
0: You didn't tell them, so.
1: I told my husband to be in mm-hmm. his family, and mm-hmm. we just had a fast wedding.
0: And had a fast wedding. With,
1: yes, he was in college. Mm-hmm. He was. I found out at the end of November when I was still sixteen, and he um, was going to be home for Christmas. And we decided to get married before he went back
2: to college, mm-hmm.
1: and I would just go with him. And so. Um, I've I've always wondered why my parents didn't ask the question, but I guess they didn't want to know.
0: Yeah, probably.
1: And so we were married, and of course then you took responsibility for your actions. Your choices uh-huh. were different. You know, you either disappeared into a maternity home or you did have that fast wedding. Yeah. And um, so uh, our son was born, and uh, I've just got to stop and tell you a quick story about um, talking with his children. Um, he has three children, and...
0: How many grandchildren do you have? I have
1: six grandchildren. Six
0: grandchildren, okay. And
1: I'm very open with them. And when I start talking to them when they're 10 about sex, because I want them to know from us, I want Mm -hmm. them to know about it. I don't want the world telling them. I want them to know the truth. And so one day, something was, I was talking to these three in the car. It's always in the car. Yes. um, Best
0: conversation.
1: Yes. And we're driving along, and I said, well, you know, they're talking about why they're challenging me. And I said, well, you know, I had sex. And I, I." first she said, you had sex before you got married, didn't you? And I hesitated just a minute. She said, you did, you did, I know you did. Yes. She nails me. And then she said, well, if you got pregnant when you were 16, that means that was daddy. And I said, yes. And she said, so was that bad? And I said, no, that uh-huh. was an unexpected blessing.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And so, um, you know, you've got to find ways to get around this. But my 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 lemonade was um, my family that I did Get married. It was a difficult marriage. Uh-huh. We were only married for seven years, but out of that marriage came my two children,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which have now given who have now given me six grandchildren.
0: Isn't that exciting?
1: Which is, of course, the joy of my life. Sure. And it's uh, you
0: took lemons and made lemonade.
1: Made lemonade because that's what we did then.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it was a different world with the choices of right unplanned pregnancies too. If you made that choice, you were responsible. Now you had to take care of it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And there was never a consideration of abortion. It was talked about. But it was never a consideration. Well, it
0: was really not as available as it is today. It's almost become a common thing, Kara.
1: It is too common. It's the first thing. uh, Even Christian girls, it's the first thing anyone thinks about. Even in marriages, if it's, it's not convenient to have a baby, it's the first thought, oh, I could just have an abortion. Now, many people don't walk through it. Mm-hmm. But many people think Thinks about it way. first.
0: Well, because it's become the spirit of entitlement in this nation. I can have what I want when I want it uh, at any price. And, and unfortunately, it's, it's so embedded in the lives of families in certain areas, not all areas. However, in Austin, the high, I am told the highest rate of abortions is in the, the richest part of our town.
1: Well, it's because um, they're hiding. Those children want to hide something. Uh They have the disposable income to get it because money is not something that their parents watch. And it's not that they use credit cards. They have access to $600. They can get $600. And so they don't even tell anyone. They just do it to hide it. They don't want to hurt their parents. And many times, Evelyn, sadly, we see it in the church because they do not want their church members, Mm -hmm. the fellow church believers, to know what's happened. Mm-hmm. And it looks like an easy out, and then when her life falls apart, mm-hmm. then the church will help her deal with it of course but yeah. i've I've seen um unfortunate abortions yeah. in the church, and then they I believe feel guilty faster
0: in the church because they failed, and they failed you know in every area mm-hmm. well it's you know um your marriage didn't last as a single parent um what was your life like as a single parent? With two children,
1: two children, it was very hard. Um, I worked two and three jobs because, you know, again, you took care yeah. of your family. I, there was many times I believe yeah. I was probably could have had welfare and certainly food stamps, but that was that was talked against in my family. Yes. You know, you were not supposed. Oh, to. absolutely. Yes.
0: Oh, yes.
1: My father criticized people that didn't work and mm-hmm. took welfare, took hands handouts, and so. Um, I never thought about it. I never ever considered that. And so I worked two and three jobs, and then, then I remarried. Okay. And with the remarriage came an agreement that there would be no more children. Mm-hmm. And it was not okay. It was just he said, you have two children. I have one by previous marriage. If you get pregnant,
0: will you have an abortion? You had no choice.
1: I never planned to get pregnant.
0: Yeah. But and it I, happened. I, I, it did. What was the result of that? Well... The
1: first thing was I instantly knew I had taken the life of my child.
0: Hmm.
1: And what I did there was I internalized the fact that I was suddenly a murderer. And, you know, we don't ever intend to murder. So where do you go with that? And I stepped out to him and said, you know, we killed our baby. And he said we made the best choice we could. Mm -hmm. And everyone I told, you don't tell a lot of people that you killed your baby, but... Everyone said it's the best choice, it's the right thing. And then, of course, I started denying my feelings. And as I stuffed my feelings, I found that as I sold other women, talked other women into having abortions, sold other women abortions mm-hmm. in sick ways, if they were okay, I was okay.
0: So you went into the industry then as a result of this particular time in your life. Yes. I was and what always, was your goal for that time?
1: Well, at first it was to help, help other women, you know. Mm-hmm. I lied to myself about that, but when I got in there, I saw the money. And very quickly, my commission was $25 for each abortion. I could be a millionaire by simply selling 40,000 abortions a year.
0: 40,000 a year. And
1: that became my goal. Mm. And, you know, the thing, one of the reasons I struggle with my grandchildren and talking to them all the time about what's going on is because my goal was three to five abortions between the ages of 13 and 18, mm. the very ages that, you know, my grandchildren are living in. And I know that they are susceptible. And it's it's even worse now than it was then I don't know if you saw this very week that in California the government is paying for teenagers 12 and up to receive 10 condoms a month. Never, Isn't that okay. never would we send them condoms at their home free. Yeah. What kind of behavior does that encourage? What,
0: what, what was your modus operandi to uh, make that goal with young people as they came into the clinic? Uh, to have an abortion or for birth control, they all don 't come for birth up uh, for abortions many come for the first time
1: you get them is for birth control, and okay. the way you do that is you reach into the schools and when you go into the schools, the goal is very simple it 's terrible, but it 's to get them to laugh with you about their parents and their values now, why would you do that really if you if they laugh with you, Evelyn, about their parents and their values, they will not go home and tell their parents what you talked about uh-huh. because they're part of the problem. Yeah. And so they're embarrassed to tell their parents. And so that's the first thing you want to do. And then you want to build this anger against their parents and how they tell them what to do all the time and not to have sex. and then,
0: Disrespect yes, and dishonor.
1: And then you tell them sex is perfectly normal. It's a natural function of the body. And then you start talking about sex in mixed company because you want to break down the natural modesty.
2: Uh-huh. And when
1: you break down the natural modesty, then you talk to them about why they might want to have sex and why they can have it without problems. And then you tell them that if they'll come to your clinic, that you will help them get on something so they won't get pregnant. We literally lied to those kids. because. How did you lie to them? We gave them defective condoms. Defective condoms. I want you to think about that. The people that pass out condoms to kids don't buy the most expensive condoms. They buy defective or seconds. And so we knew we were doing that. And, of course, I already had a, a beautiful condom baby, so I knew that didn't work.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: then we gave them birth control pills that they would get pregnant on. Now, now let me explain that.
0: Yeah, I want to know. This is something that we don't talk about, Carol.
1: No, no, we don't. But we gave them a low-dose birth control pill that in order to provide any level of protection had to be taken accurately at the same time every day. We know, and you know, teenagers don't do anything at the same time every day, and we could look at the statistics. We could give her a birth control pill. She would go home thinking she was protected. That sexual activity would go from zero or once a week to five to seven times a week. The pill would not work. Sexual activity increases, she's Mm. pregnant, and she calls us now. And now our next goal is to sell her the abortion. How do you sell the abortion? We used a script designed to overcome every single uh, uh, objection, and you run her through that, and it starts with a reassure. We actually used a sheet of paper that had a, a, a separate sheet for each call. We can take care of this problem. No one needs to know what's the first day of your last normal period. She Mm -hmm. tells you, you put it on a wheel designed to calculate the birth date of the baby. You don't say baby or birth date. You say, you're eight weeks pregnant. Mm -hmm. Now think about that. What did we do? We scared her. You think she'd say, we confirmed her worst fear. You think she'd say, stop, how can you tell me over the Mm -hmm. telephone? But that fear is planted. That seed is planted. The next question is, is this good news or bad news? She would not be calling an abortion clinic if it were good news. It's bad news. And then you move right into we can take care of that problem. No one needs to know. Get your money. Come on in.
0: You know, this um, is going to be a shock to some people today who are listening to us, Carol. And I want us to extend this conversation. But it is time for us to take our break. Uh, and, And as you're listening today, I hope that you might, if you have teenagers in your home, that you might get them uh, in around your breakfast table or whatever, and listen uh, to what Carol has to say, because it is the greatest lie of Satan, the deceit that is coming out of Planned Parenthood in this nation, and it is not only affecting our young people, but it is destroying families and. It is breaking down the walls of protection over America that God has provided from the founding fathers, yes. and those are the things that break our heart. But we don't know. Uh, we don't know, Carol. How these things are sent into our life as a result of, of just lack of proper parenting or the wrong kind of parenting, and. And we know what the remedy for that is, and we're going to talk about it today. Let's take our break. We'll be right back with Love Talk right after this. to Love Talk, we are on the Word at 99.3 98.5, in case your Holy Scanner just picked us up and you don't know where we're coming from. We're in the studio of the Word here in Austin, Texas, and uh, uh, the Word is information with inspiration, and that inspiration always comes from the love of Lord Jesus. Uh, and in the studio today, I have with me a good friend, Carol Everett. and we're talking about life, uh, Carol, but we're also talking about death. We have come to the point in your life story where you uh, really went into an industry that both dealt with life and death. And uh, it. Uh, your goal was to become a millionaire. How did that work for you?
1: It didn't. Of course, I was making money and making a lot of money, but I had two kids in college, and I think what we need to remember is blood money never works. It never lasts, and so that money would just slip through my fingers. And, you know, um, I had a banker call me one time and say, you know, I have a man putting an abortion that's putting $45,000 a month through my bank, and he can't pay me. Will you help him? And that's the idiot. It, it, money just disappears when you're, mm-hmm. when you're
0: working for the wrong side. Well, what happened in your life that changed that life goal, and what did your new life goal become?
1: Well, first of all, we were maiming or killing one woman out of every 500. One, one woman. woman? One woman. Wait a
0: minute now. We're, the business is to kill children. Yes. Kill babies, and you were killing women?
1: We, killed, we had one woman die that we knew of. We had some others mm-hmm. that we heard about later, but we got her out of the clinic first, so we could always say we'd never had a death there. Mm-hmm. But we had hysterectomies, colostomies. One out of every 500, about once a month, we were putting a woman in my car and taking her across town. Ambulances are terrible terrible publicity in front of abortion clinics. Mm-hmm. And taking her to a hospital that would protect us. And we had this one 22-year-old model. And when her bowel was actually pulled out and had to be resectioned and she had a colostomy, mm-hmm. it, it just shattered me. She was my children's age and... And I was struggling with that, and of course, still working to become a millionaire. And uh, because there's so much chaos in the abortion clinics, we had called in a business counselor, a very strange man who wouldn't talk about money, but said he could solve our problems by meeting with us an hour a week for four weeks. And the second time I sat down with this man, I, I couldn't control him. He, you know, he didn't drink, he didn't smoke, he didn't do drugs, he didn't run around on his wife. I didn't know where this man was from and I don't know why, but I finally said, Are you a preacher? And he said, Yes. Really? Yes. And when he said yes, Evelyn and I started telling
0: him how good a Christian I was. Yeah. You, know, you told him you were a Christian and you were working in a in a a murder factory. Yes. We had I had a
1: Bible in the top right in a drawer of my desk. I prayed every day. I didn't tell him I prayed that none of the women would die and I prayed there would be a lot of abortions today. But when I told him I tithed on all that money, Evelyn,
2: huh.
1: he was not impressed. And I had a sick feeling in the pit of my stomach that I was in trouble. Yeah. And he, he went on. He said, Carol, my deacons and I have been praying for some time. We believe there's someone inside this abortion clinic that God wants out. We're going to be leaving in 30 days. And then he just told me that God loved me. God loved me and he... I couldn't buy my way to heaven, I couldn't be good enough, but because God loved me so much he must send his son Jesus Christ to walk the face of the earth, to live that sin free life and to die on the cross as a perfect sacrifice for my sins. Mm-hmm. And by the simple act of faith in Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord, my life could change. And then he said, I wouldn't be much of a salesman if I didn't ask you to pray that prayer and ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart. Well, Evelyn, I've been a deal maker all my life and that deal was so simple. Mm -hmm. Pray that prayer. Shut that man up.
2: Mm -hmm. Shut him up. Yes,
1: but he is the king of the weird prayer. And this is what he prayed. He said, I'll pray this and you pray it after me. Mm -hmm. And it was, Dear God, I am a sinner. Please forgive me of my sins. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for my sins. Reign on the throne of my heart as Lord and Savior. Make me a worker in your vineyard. Amen.
0: Make me a worker in your vineyard. How did God begin to do that?
1: Well, the interesting thing is, you know, we have this churchy, so now I know what that means. But then I thought it meant that literally I had to go to California or Florida to work in a vineyard.
0: Oh, really? (laughs) And
1: I thought the man was crazy. But the vineyard has been first an 18-month extreme discipling wilderness where I was discipled every day by the man and woman who led me to Christ. And then telling my story. And why do I tell my story? I tell my story so others may hear it. Because somewhere out there, I believe that many people think if that woman who was involved in the murder of one woman, at least that she knows about, Uh the maiming of 19 others, the death of her own child, and 35,000 abortions, if God can give her eternal life, he can give me eternal life. And I tell the story, trusting and believing God to use it for his glory to heal people who've had abortions. I've had an abortion. It takes um, every bit of energy. Every time I start thinking about that, God shows me something else. I know I'm forgiven, but there are consequences to sin. I'm living Uh without a child in my life. And um, what would that child have been? And so, you know, I want my life to stand up and say, okay, God, you use it for your glory, and I I want you to take the worst of me, whatever that is, and there's plenty of worst, and talk about how you can use it for good. And so today... We work in Texas and across the nation helping pregnancy centers raise money
0: for so their work. The Heidi group does that. Your, your number one challenge is to help pregnancy centers raise money.
1: Well, to help them. Whatever and help it is.
0: establish pregnancy centers. Yes. Like okay. Last okay. week
1: I was in Houston working with a woman who has pregnancy centers, but she's starting three medical clinics. So our goal is to help her with those medical clinics to reach out and help girls and women in unplanned pregnancies. So um, it's strategic planning many times. It's uh-huh. a whole variety of issues, whatever that center needs. If we have the ability, we want to try to do it. And in Texas recently, as uh, Planned Parenthood was defunded, it was abortion providers could no longer get the money for family planning in Texas. We actually identified, recruited, life-affirming, comprehensive care providers, and my office actually helped write, grants. I mean, we went way outside of our area of expertise Mm -hmm. and helped write grants to be certain that the right kind of providers got the money to protect women with comprehensive primary care, not just abortion services, Mm -hmm. and they will no longer be seen by some mid-level provider. You know, Planned Parenthood does not have one mammogram license in the state of Texas. They don't do mammograms. Mm -hmm. They do a manual exam by a mid-level provider, and they're we found people who will have doctors seeing women who will be able to give them real medical care, the kind of medical care you and I get every day.
0: My what a change and what a challenge God has put in your life, Carol.
1: You know, Evelyn, that's thank you for saying that, but I don't I don't think about it. You know, you don't think you just think, Okay, Lord, today what are we doing? And um uh, obviously I plan farther than a day, but um it's exciting to see. And this next year, we believe that with what God's done in the state of Texas with the I want
0: us to talk about that a little bit, but
1: what is your goal for next year? Our goal, the Heidi Group's goal, is to save 40,000 babies, which means we will impact 40,000 women next year in the state of Texas. In 2012, it's not next year, it's this year. And so we believe that the state of Texas, through two uh, different laws, through defunding abortion providers and affiliates, mainly Planned Parenthood in Texas, Mm-hmm. And there were 90 of them, and we have 100. We have over a thousand life uh, providers of comprehensive care, and 199 that are absolutely life affirming and will not refer for abortions. That will really help women. And um, then we have a law, the sonogram law. Everybody thinks the sonogram is the big part of it. It's not. The big part of the sonogram law is that that doctor, for the first time, that abortionist, has to sit down in the room with the woman 24 hours in advance of her abortion and give her a fully informed consent, explain to her what the sonogram showed, explain to her about the heartbeat, and give her the real risk of the abortion for the first time since 19. 73, a woman in Texas can have a fully informed consent. And what we are finding, Evelyn, is they are going in for the abortion and they are not coming back. When they know the truth, they don't kill their babies. I got a call yesterday, yesterday, saying this woman went in, paid for her abortion, and didn't go back. How can she get her money back?
0: How do you do how do you handle those kind of cases, Carol? What do you what do you recommend?
1: Well in that case I said go back in and ask and see mm-hmm. and then let me know and if not we'll get an attorney. So okay. we we will literally get an attorney.
0: So it's not just a matter of heart change. You are at your hands are actually and your feet are actually involved in this battle for life against death.
1: In every Place, the Lord brings it to us. We engage, and if we can't, then we find someone who can. How are you funded? By individual donations.
0: hmm. And uh, and that's always edgy. It <laughs> is. I know we do that with National Day of Prayer, and uh-huh. you know you just think it's just not going to happen this year, and then you know here it comes. It just God is so faithful.
1: He touches somebody's heart. Yes.
0: Yeah. Well, it is time for us to take our next break. I want us to do that when we come back want us to talk about some of the good things that are happening as a result of people knowing now what Planned Parenthood has done to this nation. Good question. Great question. Okay. Let's take our break, and we'll be right back after this. You're listening to The Word, 99.3, 98.5, Information with Inspiration on Love Talk with Carol Everett and Evelyn Davison. So uh, we, I think we have a little technoprop up here, uh, Carol. One of the things that uh, is so exciting to me is, is not that you're just my friend, but that we, are, uh, we have the same heart for life. And um, I, I want us to talk some about what we can do or what is happening in the state of Texas in regard to moving from that death syndrome and entitled syndrome into the life syndrome.
1: Texas is the fourth largest abortion provider in the nation, and uh, and um, we have a lot of work to do, but we need to talk about the nation because the nation is in crisis because of abortion.
0: Well, let's do that. I think he is ready for us to take our break. Let's do that, Carol. We'll come back. We're going to call back Texas and about our nation right after this. Stay with us for Love Talk. to Love Talk. We are in the studio today, and thank you, Juan, for helping us with that little digital problem we have. We are talking with Carol Everett, and Carol is the founder of the Heidi Group, and we're talking today about the, our word for the day, Carol, is life, but we have looked, to look at life, you have to look at death, and and basically, in the life of Jesus Christ, uh, that is why we have life is that he gave up all he had. Yes. But let's let's talk about where we are in Texas. Tell me some good things that happened. Then let's move on to our nation and what we need to do in this nation to begin to get back on course for life.
1: Well, I believe that uh, abortion started in Texas, so we need to end it. And uh, in I didn't Texas, know that. Yes, it came out of um, yes. Sarah Weddington. Yes. Was literally in the state legislature, legislature plotting, Ann Richards was her assistant at the time, and they plotted Roe v. Wade right here in Austin, yes. and came out of Dallas, Texas, filed in Dallas, and so I believe we need to end it here, and I believe with what we have this year, if we work very hard and save those forty thousand babies, that cuts abortion in half in Texas,
2: okay. and that's a
1: strong message of life. And the longer we do that, the fewer abortions there will be. And, of course, our goal is to end abortion. And, of course, we may not overturn Roe, although the Alabama decision right. may challenge Roe, and I suspect it's going to. So we need to be ready for that. So we have a lot of work to do to affirm life, and we need to start affirming life at our home level and in our church level and in the school level. We need to know what our children are being taught, what our grandchildren are being taught. We need to go into the schools. We need to go into the libraries of our city, our county, and we need to look at the sex education materials. We need to be certain that the materials that the abortion industry uses called It's So Amazing, It's Perfectly Normal, It's Not the start by Robbie Campbell or Taken Out of Our Public Libraries and Our School Libraries. Get that sex education out of there. Sex education is for the home and the church, not for the school. And we'd like to see them get back to the old reading, writing, and arithmetic that I learned when mm, I was in school and you learned in sure. in school. But I think we also have to stand up in our churches and talk about what's going on because the church is, of course, the answer. It's not politics. It's mm-hmm. the church. Now, we have to get involved with politics because God called us to. It's very clear that the government is on his shoulders and we are his people, so we need to stand up. So... It's time for this nation to reverse, I think, with what we've seen with all the ungodliness that's going on across this country. It's finally so prevalent, so evident, so open, just like sending condoms to children 12 and over in the mail, I think people are starting to understand and standing up. So we've got to pray. We've got to register to vote. We've got to register other people. We've got to multiply. It's God's people that carry this country, Mm -hmm. not the Democratic Party, not the Republican Party.
0: Nor yes. the Libertarian Party. No, or the Libertarian or
1: Tea Party. And none of that. It's mm-hmm. the, the it's believers. God's
0: people that would come together yes. knowing how valuable life is. Yes. And, and how, in how, how in jeopardy it is today. Not only just for babies, but for families, Carol. This uh, uh, DOM thing is so scary in this nation to think that they can just break down all of the virtue of marriage and and the value of homes—it's troubling, but it's 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 growing. Is that not right?
1: It's very true, and I'll tell you what it is. I believe the activists on the other side—that are the the homosexual activists—is what yes. they are. Let's just call it—are very involved and and stay involved. And our problem is we tend to sit on our grace Uh and we are uh, pro-life and we're raising families and we get involved and we don't go out and fight. So this very small percentage of people looks like this huge movement because we don't stand up and fight it Mm -hmm. and we don't even pray against it, Evelyn. But we've got to protect marriage. We've got to protect life. We've got to protect against all this ungodliness that's coming at us. And, uh, you know, the thing that bothers me about my grandchildren is this. They see all of this. They know there are homosexuals in their schools Mm -hmm. already. And that's... That would never have happened in your day and my day. Right. And so we really need to pray against it, and we need to be actively involved. That is a perverted lifestyle, and we need to find pause. The other thing about us, Evelyn, is this. We're not good with sound bites. We let the other side run over us when we have the truth, mm-hmm. and God has the truth, and we're not speaking that truth. I know the media is biased, but, you know, if we say it long enough, they'll listen. Well,
0: I agree with you, and I was just so impressed with uh, the the nighttime uh, TV thing you had with, Henry, uh, with uh, um, the Huckabee, Governor. Huckabee. Yes. Huckabee, oh, Huckabee. Right. I said Henry. I couldn't get it out. With uh, Mike Huckabee. Uh, these are the things that are important for us. That's why we're here with Love Talk. Yes. Is we open up the dialogue about things that people, other people don't have an opportunity to hear. Uh, but there are good things happening in America and we are excited about that because uh, people are waking up I think Uh, Carol, they're coming to a point that they understand that we have got to stop hiding out in our prayer closets Mm -hmm. and just thumping on our Bible, you know, Mm -hmm. just saying, God, it's your job, you do this. When he has called us to be messengers of hope and ambassadors for him Mm -hmm. in the area of life, uh, as we think about that, Carol, you know, we think about the life of babies, but there are there are people listening to us today that do not know what the abundant life is for Jesus Christ. What it really means to have the power in your life to do what God's done in your life during this time. So let's talk about that a little bit. As far as America is concerned, we've moved away from that so much. We've got a lot of uh, lot of Christian broadcasting today. Uh, we just finished that um, conference that we had at the Capitol and we're going to have six weeks of basic television training for people who want to know how to pray, how to pray for our state, how to pray for our nation. Uh, The Gandhis have broadcast that. We put up the money for it to go on Channel 11. It'll be on in, in two or three weeks and we're going to let people know about that. It is important for us to seek God but if we don't know Him he knows us, but we don't know Him. Let's talk for just a little bit about how in America we can bring back to the focus, the responsibility we have in this nation to fulfill what Paul taught Timothy. He said to Timothy, Timothy Timothy was living in a time much like we're living in today, and he was disturbed by what was happening. The people weren't seeking God. They weren't, they they just were not doing what what it was to make a strong nation. And Paul said to him, there are two things you've got to do. You've got to pray for those in authority over you and seek to connect with them. Two reasons. Number one, that you might live at peace, and secondly, you might serve the Savior. Talk about what we can do to uh, instruct people or bring people to recognize how important it is for them to vote. I believe, first of all,
1: that we do pray and ask God to show us. But it's clear in the Scripture that, as we said earlier, the government's on his shoulders and we've got to stand up for him. And I believe that we need to do a couple of things. Pray. ask, Pull all the platforms of all the political parties. Uh Research it for yourself. Look at the one that lines the most up with Scripture, and that's the one you want to deal with.
0: Absolutely.
1: And then you start contacting those people who are running for office and asking them what they believe. Make certain that their beliefs line up with your scriptural beliefs. Now, that may be too much for you, so there are several organizations, and they can get in touch with Love Talk, and we can certainly direct mm-hmm. them to places that they sure. can get that information. But the thing I believe that's important is we need to get involved in our churches and asking the members of our churches mm-hmm. to vote, because the only hope for this country are God's people.
2: It's, it's nowhere
1: you. else. It's right here among us, among believers. And the first thing, of course, is to come to that saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and then direct him to show us. Mm -hmm. But let's all commit
0: to register other people
1: to vote. That's it, is to get out
0: there. We could register, you know, uh, uh, at least one or two or three other families. We would make an impact on this thing. Carol, thank you for joining us today. This has been wonderful. We're going to have you come back. This is something that we really do need to look at across all avenues in this nation if we're going to be a nation under God. We thank you today for joining us for Love Talk. Uh, uh, We'll be back again next Saturday. As we close today, if you do not know the love of the Lord Jesus and you want to know Him, Carol, give us your phone number so they can call the Heidi Group. 512-255-2088. Okay, thank you so much, Carol. We'll see you next week for Love Talk.